Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. On this episode of Brilliant Thoughts, I've got Mike Sosha. He's one of the greatest baseball players of my time over the last 40 years, for sure. Now, as the catcher for the Dodgers, just in case you didn't know he played for the Dodgers, he won two World Series, appeared in two All-Star games, and here's an interesting one. He was one of just seven major leaguers to appear in the iconic Simpsons episode, Homer at bat. I know you wanted to know that one. Now, following his playing career, he also managed the Angels for 19 seasons. He won the only World Series that the Angels have ever had, 2002. Now, these days, he's managing Team USA for the Tokyo Olympics, but he was kind enough to take some time to share some awesome lessons in this episode. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, and today we have a special guest with us, Mike Sosha. He needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway, and the guy is absolutely amazing. You could just Google him and find a whole bunch of amazing information on Mike. Mike, thanks for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tristan. Great to be with you. So in Brilliant Thoughts, we like to go in and talk about relationships, talk about the people that, that really have gotten you where you are now. And what you've learned along the way, management skills and, and processes and just overall life lessons. So let's get started with what was probably the most apparent thing for me as I was doing research on you and what I can find on the Internet. And that was the relationship you had with, with Tommy Lasorda. At mm-hmm. the very beginning, I was reading this, this short article about how he found you and he said, hey, You've got to do this today or that's it. Your chances are out. Tell me about that. Well, actually, it starts before Tommy. I'll get to that story in a second. But, you know, Tristan, we come into this world uh, not knowing anything. You know, we're born. uh, We're really going to be beholden to whoever is showing us the way. And for me, I was very, very fortunate to have a great family life, great parents that were hardworking, brother and sister. Um, All the support that I had from my grandparents, my cousins, everybody that we all, we all, we all stood together and helped each other. And so I think you learn uh, the path you need to be on. So as I went through school and really enjoyed playing baseball, um, I had a chance to go to Clemson University on a baseball scholarship. And my mom being a school teacher was thrilled that I had an opportunity to go to college. She wanted me to go to college. So I signed a letter of intent to go to Clemson uh, about two months later, the Major League Baseball has a draft, and I get drafted in the first round by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And she said, Mike, I want you to call the Dodgers, tell them thank you for the interest, but we're, you know, you're going to go, uh, you know, you're going to go to college. I said, okay, good. So I called up the Dodgers, told them thank you for the interest, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go uh, go to school. And about another month after that, uh, my telephone rings, and it's uh, it's 12 o'clock, and it's in um, it's starting to be in early July now. And on the other line, on the end of the phone is Tom with the sorter. And he says, Mike, um, get your glove. I'm in town. He was a third base coach with the Dodgers. They're in town to play the Phillies. He said, get your glove, your spikes. I'm going to pick you up at one o'clock. We're going to come down here and work out at Veterans Stadium. <laughs> I said, sure. I really didn't know if it was true or not, but I left my parents a note. 
Time of the sorter, one hour later, drives up in his um, in Lincoln Continental with his brother. I get out. I leave the note on the on the our kitchen counter, say, "Mom, Dad, I'm going to work out with Mr. Lasorda. I'll be back tonight." I go to work out at Veterans Stadium. Tommy talks to me and he says, "You know, Mike, um, there's uh, there's the major leagues, and then there are the Dodgers, and this is going to be your only chance if you want to become a Dodger." And as I thought about that, I uh, I, I was really drawn to just the the challenge it was going to be to play professional baseball. In hindsight, there's no doubt I probably should have taken the safer route and and gone to Clemson University and played there and then hope for the major league draft in three years. But something inside was just telling me um, this is going to be a chance of a lifetime. So I had to go home that night. I had to tell my mom, my dad, that I do not want to go to college. I want to sign professionally. And next day I was on a plane to Walla Walla, Washington to, to sign my professional career. And here's the last little footnote on that time of the sorta about a week after that my my mom gets this long letter in the mail handwritten by time of the sorta explaining that hey i know it was a tough decision for mike we're going to make sure he gets every opportunity to be the best player he can be and i think he has a talent to play a long time in the major leagues and um, it kind of put my mom at rest a little bit knowing that there was a support group there with the dodgers and not just thrown out to the wolves and um about four and a half years later, I was playing in the major leagues. There's a lot to unpack there, man. Just for for people listening in on on growth and decision making and relationships. So the fact that that you had originally said no, I'm going to go to school. What what changed? Because inside there was probably a massive battle going on between do I disappoint my my mom, right? Which is everything at the time. You're you're in your teens. Or do I go this route of my dreams? Yep, 17. What made the final decision? I think the determining factor was really, I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, with my life. And I was going to go to Clemson University. I was going to play, really to go play baseball and obviously study and hopefully get a well-rounded education. But what came down to, I didn't think there was anything I was going to learn at Clemson University from 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 going there right now that I could not acquire in the future. If my baseball career hadn't panned out and I was out and I had some injuries in minor leagues too. They all I saw players better than me that you know you, you get you get these life-changing injuries and you can't play anymore. If that had happened, I felt that I could pick up the pieces and I could do um, I could find what I want to do with my life and use these life skills that you get playing in the minor leagues is very, very tough. So I um I felt that that now was the time to for me to if I wanted to play professional baseball, giving up a lot, uh, you know, a full ride from to Clemson University was um, was was a, a tremendous package. But again, I just felt that whatever I didn't learn at Clemson, then I could pick up and learn later if my baseball career didn't work out. All right, so I, I think that's an that's a situation that that most business people go through and this was a business decision that that changed your life so for those that that are trying to figure out okay what route do i take do i do i risk it all based on this passion that i have right how do we make a, the best decision for ourselves mike is there advice that you give like younger people and saying hey this is this is the path you should go if this what does that look like um, I think that each individual is going to be different. I don't think there's one blanket policy. Say you have to do this, you have to do that. 
I just know in my life, there were some serious crossroads where you have to put it all on the table because it's your passion. You've got to, you've got to go all in. And if you don't go all in, I think the threat is not having to regroup. The threat is having a regret. And um, I have no regrets about any decision I made in my life. Uh, you know, you, um, you know, I think you follow your heart, you follow your passion. I've been very blessed and very fortunate that it's worked out for me. Um, but I think if it had it, maybe we're sitting here and I'm running a business, you know, uh, you know, 45 years later than, than this is happening. We're doing something that uh, would have changed my lifestyle. I'm just sitting here saying, hey, I had, I had a change of course of my life, but I came out fine. So I think you have to define what risk is. I think that uh, in, my, in my case, that regret, looking back, that regret of not going and trying to play Major League Baseball at age 17 was going to be a very heavy burden as opposed to the regret of trying it and not succeeding. And as I said before, uh, you pick up the pieces and, you know, you go, you, you, uh, you move on. So um, I didn't really see it at the time as a risk. And looking back, there's no doubt that it was the road less traveled for me to go and, and to, to try to play professional baseball at age 17. But um, I felt very, very, uh, very strong with it, very happy with the decision at that time. All right. So you make this decision. Now you look back through, let's say, the last 45 years, right? And what are some other pivotal decisions that that you made that have also affected your your life and those around you in a similar way? I think uh, there, there's a number of them. You know, and uh, when you make the baby, first making the major leagues is, um, you know, is very, very difficult. And when you make it, uh, there's a tremendous uh, there's a tremendous sense uh, uh, to, of, of duty to perform. You have to play well and you have to be you know, hopefully stay healthy. I came up with uh, some very, very serious injuries early in my career to my shoulder and being a catcher. Uh, the decision was really. Um, do you want surgery, which nobody was coming back from rotator cuff surgery at that time? And Dr. Job, the renowned doctor who was a Dodgers, uh, sat down and told me, you know, Mike, I can operate. I think I can fix it. But to be honest with you, nobody's coming back from this surgery. We can go another route, which I don't know if it's going to work or not. And if I went in and repaired it, common sense says it's going to work better, but that's not what we're seeing. He said, so I'm going to give you everything you make the decision. And at that point, I said, you know, Dr. Job, uh, we're not going to operate. We're going to try a different way that makes more sense. And I missed a season, but after that, I played in the major leagues and um, and was, was fortunate enough that it it held up long enough for me to uh, have an opportunity to play in two World Series teams and have a have a nice career uh, playing with the Dodgers. So, you know, that was that was the first one. The second one, I, I, that was the one. I'm not going to put them in order because they're all really huge. Um, the other one was, I think. Uh, uh, trying to expand your career by playing winter ball. A lot of people look at playing winter ball, uh, I think, especially now as more risk than reward. Back then, it's always risky to play the game. You know, you're going to the Dominican Republic. I played it for, there for, for three seasons. So I think you go down there and you're committed to baseball year round. And it certainly helped me. But the decision was, uh, and a lot of guys in, in my shoes decided not to play. My decision was very clear saying, look at, I've committed to this profession. Uh, I've got to be, I've got a certain amount of time to be the best I can be and going down and playing winter ball for myself um, 
made me a, a much, much better player, much prepared for the challenge of playing in the major leagues. Dude, I love that. All right. So one question that I have from something you said, uh, because I, I see it happening when we talk to to people at a high level that have been in sports specifically. And that's when, when people are looking in, here's, um, here's one thing that they miss. And I'm going to read this out because you just brought this out and I had to write it. Uh, when people are looking inward at specifically sports figures, uh, they, they seem to see just stats, typically numbers, right? What they don't see is all the work that they put in mm-hmm. and the people that have helped them get there along the way. And one of the things you just said is, look, I put in the extra work necessary. And everyone that's trying to succeed at a higher level can relate with that, right? Have there been other instances that you do that and say, hey, you know, what? I just need to put more work into this? Absolutely. I think um, I think there are times, you know, I didn't have, sometimes you have a, a bad stretch that, that you're going through in the season and you're out there, you're out there early at noon. The game's not till seven, seven o'clock, but you're out there early at noon trying to find a way that you're going to, you know, perform at the level you intend to. So that's, that's a daily, that's a, that, that, that's a daily uh, routine. But back in my cases, you're coming up and you're trying to make it and trying to establish yourself, just like establishing a business. If I was establishing a business, I don't think I would sleep six hours a night because I would be getting hit with lightning bolts saying at two in the morning, my gosh, I think this is you know where we need to be. But I certainly would not be just working eight to five trying to start That's up true. a business or a company. You're going to, I think you're going to be all in and you're going to, just like I played baseball year round for virtually four seasons. I think if you're an entrepreneur, 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 you have to understand, um, you have to understand that it's not the risk that's going to, that's going to uh, take you down. It's going to be your, um, it's going to be your uh, focus and your intensity yeah. and ability to adjust on the fly. And this is what you need to be. This is what you need to be in tune with. That's true, man. And you brought up something else there that doesn't often get talked about. You brought up like in the middle of the night, you have like these thoughts, like just they're recurring over and over. And, and sometimes it can turn into anxiety. How do you turn that around so that it becomes energy, focused energy to drive you? Because that's a constant problem for the sports figures that we talk to, high business people, same thing. No doubt. I think uh, for me, it was very simple. I needed to find an application of whatever lightning bolt I got lightning bolt I got hit with. And one, give one example. I'm in a little bit of a slump and we're, we're really going into the World Series in 1988 with the Dodgers. I just couldn't figure out what am I doing at the plate. At like two in the morning, I um, I really got hit with a um, just got hit with a thought saying, you know, I was left-handed hitter. I said, keep your left heel on the ground. I had gone back to that probably four years before. I said, keep your left hand on the ground. This is going to keep you back to see the ball longer. It just hit me. So I went back to sleep and I woke up with it. Next morning, before I even had my coffee, and my wife was there, and uh, we, we we just had our little our, our son, and so she's taking care of him and. I'm out in there really just in my pajamas and I put my left heel on the ground and I got my bat and I'm doing it in the house, just feeling it. <laughs> and, and so it wasn't anxiety. What it was, was I saw a way to apply uh, an adjustment that I felt very, very confident in. So as I went to the ballpark that day, I called our hitting structures. I want to be out there early. I worked on it. It, it, 
came quickly and I had a tremendous off season as far as on the, on the offensive side to help just to contribute to the Dodgers winning a world series in 88. So I think when you get hit with those like lightning bolts at night, uh, what you need to do is find a way, find an application where you can, you can insert it into what you need to do, because if you don't, it just, it evaporates. It's just, uh, it's just another idea that evaporates. But if it's that important to you that it kept you up at two in the morning, there's probably some merit to it and you should explore how you can apply it. So I would not call it anxiety. I don't think, I don't think, and you know, I mean, maybe some guys, I never felt anxiety when I played baseball. There was a little bit, you know, you get some butterflies because you really, you know, just going to a game because you know, you understand the, maybe the magnitude, but once you get into the game, it's not really anxiety. It's really just competing. And I felt very, very, um, I felt very, very good in my ability to compete, even though my skills were, were marginal. And the, the the ability to make the adjustments I needed to make to uh, to contribute to our team. So I think that confidence helped me to get through some tough spots. But I think back to your question, um, I think that when you do, you know, when you get something and in business, I don't know what it would be. It might be a little easier supply chain or something that can help you to to make, um, you know, to to make a product a little easier, get it out easier or some marketing or whatever it is. Find a way to apply it. And it might or might not work, but it's certainly uh, it's certainly worth the effort. That's very true. So how do you continually improve your mind so that any uncertainty that creeps in, you kind of push to the side? Because I'm assuming growing into the baseball player and the human being that you grew into through the process of being in baseball, sometimes you were thinking, wow, you know what? There might be somebody better than me. I better work harder. How do you push against that uncertainty so you focus on what's important? Well, I think in life, um, you can look at anybody and there's always somebody better. Uh, there's going to be always somebody that is maybe making a little more money or, or like in baseball, maybe somebody that hits a little bit better, maybe somebody that catches a little bit better. I think all that becomes a distraction. And when I was managing the Angels, I managed Angels for 19 years and really getting into it, I was trying to um, set an environment where we didn't care what was happening outside of our world. We didn't care what other teams were doing. We did not care what was happening in baseball outside of what our team was and what we needed to do. Uh, I knew and we knew that there were some teams out there that were better than, than us, but I also knew that we could beat them if we did the things that we needed to do on the field. And I think the guys away in the clubhouse for many years and in the angels personified that uh, we beat some teams that were much better than us because uh, we were focusing on what we needed to do. And I think that if you're in business and you've got that little niche that you really believe in, um, trust it. Don't worry about what other somebody, someone else is reinventing the wheel. wheel. Don't let that be a distraction. These are all distractions that can seep in and um, and can kind of play with um, play with your decisiveness. I think sure. that in baseball, the one thing we always talk about is being decisive in everything you do. If you're a pitcher on the mound and you're throwing a pitch that maybe isn't the exact pitch that someone wants you to throw, but you're decisive and you execute you execute a, a good pitch, you're going to have a better result. Where you get locked up is if you don't trust something and you're indecisive. And what makes us indecisive? Sometimes business is going to be. Uh, risk aversion. You're scared to go out there and 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 do it, or um, or, or maybe you're you're really worrying about what a competitor is doing. You're worried about what's happening here. Um, those are just distractions, Tristan. They're, they have no place in um, in in 
in your daily life. And uh, I've, I've had to do it playing baseball or learned to do it playing baseball, uh, you know, since I was 17. And um, it's something you just can acquire. That makes sense, man. I, I love your answer. So then help me understand the relationships that that got you to where you were while you were managing the angels. Like, what was that? Where did that management style come from? You know, I, I was really fortunate. You mentioned Time of the Sword. I played for him for 14 seasons. And um, uh, he was just uh, an incredible leader the way he set the environment. Uh, we were never intimidated by anything. But I had some really, really influential people outside of my family that came into my life and and were very, very important. Um, Roy Campanella, Johnny Roseboro, Del Crandall, three tremendous catchers going back to the uh, 50s. Uh, these guys were not only great all players, they were great human beings. Roy Campanella was in a, you know, wheelchair for, um, you know, for 50 years and never complained. And he would come out in the field in his wheelchair and instruct us at, at down at Bureau Beach. Uh, and I, I, I learned a lot about from Roy, not only baseball, but about life. I think that as you meet people that are really special, and I was very, very fortunate to have some tremendous mentors in my life, you start to absorb their common sense. You start to absorb uh, what they're about. Uh, but Del Crandall always told me, look, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give you information. I'm going to give you information, but you know what? You have to grow from it. It's not just an input into a computer and the computer works. You need to grow with it because this change, this game is always adapting. It's always changing. So you need that foundation. You need to continue to grow as a person. And I, I, uh, I really uh, took that to heart. But the biggest influence outside of my mom and dad and my, my brothers has been my wife, Anne. I think that it would be really, really... Uh, very difficult for me to have played with the Dodgers for so long and the manager Angel for 19 years without uh, somebody that w- was your partner that was really strong and, and uh, knew what you needed to do and took care of everything else. And, um, and so that's, uh, that's a huge influence on my life and whatever success I've had. I love that. I love that you brought your wife. I was going to get there. I, I had Ann, Matthew and Taylor. So there you go. very nice. Can you can you expand on that? Because what I what I see when we're when we're interviewing some of the most amazing people out there, the relationships aren't talked about often. And and I think that's probably the most important thing to someone's overall success. Right. The success isn't just finance, isn't just what you see from the outside. It's everything that's happening at home. Right. No doubt. I think I think you're 100 percent right. I think. At some point, you need that support group. Very, I think very few guys are mega successful, and there are some exceptions um, that don't have some kind of a support group around them. Whether it's a great bunch of friends, whether it's um, whether it's a family, whether it's like I said, a wife or husband, whoever you know, uh, um, you know, whatever uh, support group that you might have. I think the uh, I think it's very important for myself on a personal basis. And like I said, I think most people have some semblance of that, um, of that, uh, you know, stabilizing factor in their lives. Not everybody, mm-hmm. but I, I think that, uh, for myself, it was very, very important and is very important. How do you maintain that relationship with, with Anne so that it continues to grow? Because what I've noticed is when I ask this question, it's like, Oh, Tristan, it's consistent work. Yeah, I think I don't look at it as work. I think that um, when you find somebody that you can be honest with and they're going to be honest with you about how they're feeling, what their needs are, um, 
you know, I was always spoke very closely with Ann. We still do. Uh, just to, just like like when I was playing ball and traveling for you know nine months, really only home for home stands, and then back on the road. Uh, our winters were sacred, and when we when I was done playing ball after the playoffs or whatever it was in late October, um, that that was it. You know, I didn't. I I, I was one hundred percent to the family, whatever our needs are, wherever the kids are. Uh, made a decision when I went down to manage in Anaheim that we would keep our house up here. It's about 75 miles away from Anaheim, but I commuted because I knew that it was going to be important for me to get home every night, take the kids to school in the morning. Uh, it was a little less that Ann had to do. And I know that she appreciated the fact that um, she could have a more of a normal uh, life, even though I was kind of working second shift. You know, when you're a major league manager, you're going in at you're going in at, in at like one thirty in the afternoon and you're not getting home until midnight. Um, <laughs> still the fact was that, uh, that we could maintain, uh, a, a more routine lifestyle here for the kids to go to school and for what she needed to do by me commuting. So, uh, I think you, you know, you just, there's, there's always things you have to adapt with. And that was one of them. All right. And how's your communication with your wife so that you consistently, keep that going because I see that that's one of the main reasons that some relationships just kind of die out, the lack of communication. Do you guys say, hey, we're going to communicate this way throughout the day? Does it happen naturally? What does that look like? It happens naturally. I don't think there's ever a time we've sat down and said, hey, we need to talk. Let's let's see where we are here. I mean, in the morning, you know, we'll get up and we'll have a routine to get some coffee and just talk about the day. Like, what are we doing? What's going on? So we know uh, just where we can help out or where we can fit in and what's going on. And, uh, it, it really just happens organically. I don't think there's any Good. huge, uh, uh, powwows we've had where you say, look, we need to talk. We've got to, you know, we, we just, it just happens. We're always talking, we're always around, uh, each other. And uh, that's one of the great thing about retirement is the fact that, you know, since I was 16, I never had a summer off. So when I retired, uh, three years ago from managing, these are the first couple of summers where I've had them off. And um, it's great to get back to the family life, the barbecues, you know, all the things that are fun. And um, uh, so it's like you, you know, you put a lot of work in for a long time. Uh, and definitely at some point, I think you need to get your time back. And that's uh, that's what's happened to us. How do you set the right environment for your family to succeed? What does that look like? Uh, again, I think it happens organically. I think it's by... Uh, it's just it's just by osmosis and, and by uh, example. I know my mom and dad, uh, they were very loving. And uh, looking back now, they work extremely hard. Uh, my mom was a school teacher, taught first grade for 40 years. My dad was a beer salesman, but he was out on the road every day around the Philadelphia area, checking on his accounts and, uh, you know, doing the things that he needed to do to achieve. And um, uh, they were very, very hard to, you know, we never had what we wanted. Uh, but we, you know, our needs were met. If I needed a pair, you know, if I needed a pair of, uh, of sneakers or tennis shoes for, for gym class, uh, I got them. They might not have been Chuck Taylor Commerce that everyone else had. They might have been beta bullets, but they were they were still, you know, gym <laughs> shoes you could play in. That's that's kind of our upbringing. So seeing how hard they worked and the example they set was um, it gave, gave me, I know, a sense of duty. Uh, to apply myself to whatever my endeavor might be. Uh, you know, you can't half-ass it. you got to go in 100%. I, I, think that. that's, I think that's what uh, I think that's what I want to set for our family is I think they know uh, what my profession was, obviously. 
They know how much I traveled. They know how much uh, effort um, Anne has put in to give them the, the normal upbringing, a quote unquote normal upbringing, but being home here when I'm not home and, and the efforts that I've gone to make sure that I'm there when I can be there. And um, I know they respect that and they've, they're both on their way to be a success, uh, successes. Well, man, look, it's happening for you organically, but what you just said just showed that you put a lot of effort into it just, just by originally surrounding yourself with amazing people like your parents, obviously, right? And then I, everyone I mean, else. Listen, I never, like I said before, I didn't have anything to do with my parents. Yeah, uh, they were loving true. people, respecting. You know, we come into this world, we don't know anything. I mean, if you think about it, you're born in this world. You don't even remember being born. You don't even know where you are. So you're going to be whatever that unit around you kind of molds you to be. And uh, you're going to have the morals you need, or you're going to have the sense of duty. Um, are you going to have the honor, the commitment? Uh, I absorb these from my parents and my family. And uh, I'm thankful every day for that. Um, but I can't take credit for it. Um, any success that I have had, uh, my parents have both passed away, but any success I've had, I, I point to them and say, look, I, I was pointing the right direction from the time I can remember being four years old. Uh, yeah. So um, so I can't take any credit for that. The continuation of that through the people then you surrounded yourself with, you know, partially, partially some just came into your life, right? Like based on what team you were working with and those people around you. But other times you've had, you've had the ability to choose who you surround yourself with as well. Exactly. And I think for, for maybe those who weren't as fortunate as I was that maybe didn't have all that role model of parents and support, uh, you still have choices you can make because you know what you, you know what you want to be. Um, and you might not be there yet, but you know where you want to be or who you want to be. And you have to find a way to get there. And a lot, you know, a lot of it is surrounding yourself with your, your group of friends, the people you meet. Uh, maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's somebody you're starting a startup with or you're starting a business with. Mm -hmm. Make sure they're good people. Make sure they have the same motives that you do uh, to succeed. And that uh, as a team, you can be stronger than just yourself. But for I think for the people that maybe, like I, uh, I already said, didn't have the privilege that I had, of growing up with in, in a family that had such great role models, hardworking people, um, then I think there's, you know, there's still a path you can find and you might not have found it now, but develop these life skills, develop these life skills that we're talking about. Yeah. And you make much better decisions. And as you, as far as surrounding yourself with good people, with people, make sure that good people with the same motives that you have for success. Well, we've got a couple of minutes here. I got a couple more questions for you really quick. You're heading off to the Olympics, right? That's exciting. I love that. Yes. So how are you going to create the right environment for a team that's coming from so many directions, right? Exactly. Um, this is much different than anything I've ever done. I think that I've had the luxury of seeing kids grow from the minor leagues for a couple of years as they come into major league camp. And then develop their skills in the minor leagues to become a major league players, much like you know Mike Trout and and a lot of guys, Jared Weaver, that have come uh, great players come into our organization. Uh, this is going to be totally different because you, you're not really nurturing um, in this environment. Um, you're right into the playoffs. We're going to start pool play, and everything's everything is very very important. 
I think the one thing that I've, I've absorbed in playing uh, baseball for so many years is uh, you need to play free. You can't be worried about mistakes. And I think it goes back to anything we're talking about. If I'm worried about making a mistake, I'm never going to make a play. So what I would like these guys to do is to play free. If, if something doesn't go your way, let it roll off your back and let's get right back into the game and continue to play. And I think that way um, you don't have to, you don't have to have to have perfection to win because no one's ever going to be perfect, but you're going to have the ability to bounce back. And that is critical in, in our goal of, of hopefully getting an Olympic gold medal. And it's critical in their lives as professional baseball players. So that's the environment I want to set. I want to set is to play the game aggressively. Uh, let's not worry about making mistakes. Let's focus on making plays. And in the, in the long run, we'll be much better. I love that, man. And you've also got a charity. Can you tell me about that? Because I'm about to write a check to send it to your charity. So nice. thank you. put a lot of zeros on it, Tristan. I'm going anyway, to do that. <laughs> uh, we have the Amateur Baseball Development Group. We started about 20 years ago out here with really just baseball dads out here in California. And everyone thinks, thinks of California being very uh, affluent and some areas are. But as far as the needs of the arts and music and, and sports, um, we're woefully short out here about what we're supplying. Uh, teams have to do it through private fundraising. Uh, there are some schools here that have uh, been historically great baseball programs in Southern California that didn't have baseballs. So what we've done is put a group together every year. We, uh, we have a golf tournament to raise funds, and we, we put it out to either high schools. We have a collegiate league out here in the summer for – a lot of um, up and coming uh, young collegiate players. And uh, we've been, uh, we we're just very, very blessed and happy that we've been able to um, keep some programs going that might've really evaporated if we weren't there to support them. And it's very, very rewarding. That's awesome, man. And where does it take place? Because I'm local to you. I'm in, I'm in uh, Newbury park. So we play at Moore park uh, country club. We have our golf tournament and, um, uh, you know, we have uh, great, uh, great support from our core group of um, uh, core group of, uh, of families that have been just been with us for years. Like I said, we've been doing it for 20 years. It's by invitation only. So it depends how big that check is that you send, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll root for you, but I'm sending you a check anyway. Beautiful. Uh, we have a lot of fun with it. And, um, and as I said, it's um, it's really a, a community event where, where we get together and um, you talk about the support group. Uh, this is all part of our support group too. So, cool. all of us, so we, we enjoy it. I love it, man. Well, Mike, good luck with the Olympics. That's going to be absolutely amazing to watch from, from my house and from everybody else's home. We're going to be watching and rooting for you. Thanks for being on, Mike. All right, Tristan. Thank you very much. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.